Uh, my name is Brian Hasbrook. Today is June 9th. We're at the New Lots branch of the Brooklyn Public Library. I'm joined by Barbara Hobson for Our Streets, Our Stories. Uh, so just tell me a little bit about yourself. I made my grand entrance December the 16th, 1940 in Vicksburg, Mississippi. And if you had American history, you are familiar with the area because the cannons are still in the street and they do fight the Civil War every Sunday for the tourists. Uh, my father, my whole family, they were sharecroppers. And when, when just before I was born, my father said he wasn't going to be a sharecropper because he never had enough money. And you wanted new cars and new clothes, and he decided that he wanted to go north. My parents broke up. My grandmother ended up with me because they was young, 18 years old. They wanted to do the boogaloo or whatever they're doing now at the time. So we ended up in Minnesota, oh, before I went to Minnesota, I lived on Doodleville Street in Jackson, Mississippi. My uncle was a Pullman porter and migration was in full, going to, from Mississippi to California and going from Mississippi to Chicago and going to Minneapolis, Minnesota. My uncle said he didn't want us living in Chicago, so he took us to Minneapolis. My address was 409 Lindell Avenue North. After I began to grow, my father said he wanted me and his mother near him, so they took us to Gary, Indiana. That's where I lived in Gary, Indiana, and I went to East Pulaski, West Pulaski School. My father worked at the steel mill, and he decided that the steel mill was slow. He wanted to go to Saginaw, Michigan. That's where Stevie Wonder is. He was born there. Uh, he worked at the Chevrolet Foundry on the shakeout. That means when you put steel on the table, you got to shake the motor blocker loose. And that means you get all burn up from that hot iron. And if a man falls in the iron when they're making a car, the men get the rest of the day off and they're supposed to discard that iron, or whether they do it or not, but they're just supposed to discard it. Uh, by the time I was 17, I got married, and my husband went to Chicago to get a job because the plants were going down. They weren't stable enough. So we went to Chicago. I was married two years and I had my daughter. My husband went to service Verdon and he came home. My daughter came up and then we stayed in Chicago. We broke up. So then I decided since my grandfather had come here in 1940s and my father used to come here and work periodic in New York, we moved to New York. We moved in Harlem, 118th Street between Lenox and 7th. Uh, later on, I went back to school. We moved to the Bronx, and then I went in school, and I had I got my high school diploma, which I didn't have before. And I started working for the city of New York. They were very short of nurses, and they gave a wide test. And the test said nobody could go to school and work at the same time. It was impossible because the work was very hard, long study hours. So Washington, after we took the test, I came out on the top, and they called us the cream of the crop. So they sent a man from Washington, D.C., and we met at the Bellevue Auditorium downtown. That was to give us a kickoff. They divided half of us. Some of us went to the Bronx, which I was living there. Some stayed in Manhattan. Uh, after when we graduated, I was on television. I was in Amsterdam News. I didn't get a chance to see myself because by the time I came back, there was the news was off. 
My mother came for the graduation, and I worked for the Department of Hospitals from 1963 until I retired. 31 years later, I retired at 54 because I had been in the pension plan. And once you're in the pension plan, they don't give you any extra money. You just leave if you want to. So I, people were dying fast, so I decided to leave. Oh, and by the way, when we graduated, they sent a man back from Washington, D.C. to see us graduate because they said that it was a hard trip and they spent the money to have us everywhere. They were very happy that we graduated because I understand mind power had been given to people on welfare. And the people on welfare didn't want to do it. They said it was too hard. They'd rather get the check. So that's how they gave the city the nationwide test. Um, when, after I came out of school, um, Bed-Stuy was going through a, a dilapidated state. They had a lot of houses abandoned over here in Brooklyn. In fact, houses were going for a dollar. Uh, some, I met a neighbor, he had paid 250 for his house. In fact, he's still in it over there on Franklin Avenue. I met him and his family, and I told him, I said, gee, I'd like to get one of these houses. So I went back and got my car because I was with someone else, and I walked the street, and I found a house, 265 Franklin, a four-floor house, brick. Washington, D.C. was asking for $2,000 for it. My boyfriend and I, we offered 2500 I went on vacation and called back and they said, you got it. So then they had a lot next door, was going for $50. I said, never mind, I don't want to buy it off more than I can chew. Because they give you the house as it is. You have to fix it up. Two doors to my left, the house was selling for $50. Man bought it. And I think the house next door... Might have been a hundred. So these dilapidated properties was, were up for sale, but nobody wanted to buy. That's why I have a hard time feeling sorry for people who were kind and I, when they were those houses up for grabs, you could get them. But people, I guess, were afraid they didn't know how to fix them. We gutted out. Those houses have doors, original oak doors that had to be planed down and put back in place. Those windows are so large until a man can stand in a window. And have room uh, in a castle to come through there, really. The windows are so big. We were on West 4th Avenue and got the windows. Every week, put windows in. We got the Brooklyn Union Gas, came in and put a new furnace about the size of a computer that heats the whole house in a few minutes. Uh, then I decided to come over here to live in East New York. I had wanted a new home. I, I was used to being in the West where you had your living room, your dining room. In the kitchen, I'm not used to kitchenette, cause out west we didn't have kitchenette. We had a, everybody had a house. You had a backyard, front yard, and when I came to New York, I was shocked to see people walking a dog in the street, because we do that. You had a dog. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you where to go and check it out. And I told my friends about it. We came up in the morning after work, and I it was Christopher Street to be exact, and they had one way in, like ants going out of a hole into another house. And we were touring, and a one one house had two bedrooms, the other room, had, other house had three. So I said, if I have company from out of town, I wanted a three bedroom. They didn't give me any sweat. I told them I want the seventh house in because that was the spiritual number seven. And they, I had you had to pay a hundred dollars down. That's to put your name on the list. 
So I paid the hundred dollars, and I went on. I said and they, it was five years of battling in East New York for these houses. So I, the thing came, and I thought it was some matter. I threw it on TV. I didn't know what it was. So I decided to call. I said, "What number are you up to?" And I said, "That number is pretty close to mine." And uh, sure enough, and I was going to California. So later she said, "Yes, you, you're up." Excuse me. She says, "Now." I said, but I'm going to California. I said, I can't get the papers together. I said, I'll come and put my name down. And when when I come back, I'll give you the papers that you need. So sure enough, I took all the documents in. And they called me for the 5th of October. And I moved into my brand new house, the 5th of October. And I was so happy. Can you imagine your brand new house? Because prior to that, I had bought property off of Channel 11 at Alpham Atlantic City, out to Mays Landing. It's, it's the suburb of Vineland, which is a beautiful city down in South Jersey. And I had saved my money and I purchased an L Ranch down there. I had eight acres of land with it. That was supposed to be my retirement home. But it, the uh, economy went down. People didn't have jobs. So I decided that I would retire from New York City. And I gave, I, sold, boy, I sold my house, which I cried about it because who wants to give up a house with eight acres a quarter with land and an L ranch? I owned a whole corner. My neighbors owned 17 acres. Some had 24 acres. And that neighborhood down there is gorgeous. So I figured that since I retired from the Partner Hospitals, I'm going to die in New York. I'm not going anyplace else. This is Custer's last stand. Okay. That's uh, that's really interesting. Um, how would you describe? Um, did your did you your your daughter grow up in New York? My daughter was born in Chicago and came here when she was two. She stayed in New York until she was thirteen, and that's when I bought my house and put her down. That you know that commercial that used to have the the marching band in gray uniform. Well, then it was a commercial. You were young. But uh, that commercial was from Oakcrest High School down in, in New Jersey. That's where she went to school. And then when she came out of school, she went to Berkeley. She went to Little Falls, New Jersey, where they call them the Berkeley bitches. Because when they come to New York, they don't come on train. They, they have their private bus they come in on. So people snoop if they know this. They say, here come no Berkeley bitches. Because there is a Berkeley downtown in Manhattan. But she came from Little Falls, New Jersey. And she became executive secretary. And uh, good, uh, they that bank moved a branch out to New Jersey. Oh, it's gorgeous out there. All those men in, the, in that office have money, 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 money. All those architects. So she went to school out there and she came down Wall Street to work. And when you go up to, when I went up to have lunch with her, she is on the 17th floor. So when you don't even go, you don't even see her down in the bank. And when those girls go out to get a job, they tell them how to pick the window. It's a window is the key to whether you take a job or not. They have a code that they use. And if the lady doesn't take the job, the agency calls them back and asks them, how many windows did you take the job? Because if you don't take the job, they send you someplace else. They don't have to look for a job. Berkeley gives the job to the girls. And those, that's why those girls go to get rich husbands out of that. And my daughter met her husband on Wall Street down there, he's a, he is the one who writes the paperwork for banks when they merge. 
That's, I don't know what you call it, but that's what he does. Mergers and acquisitions? Yeah, I don't know. He puts the paperwork for the bank when they get ready to merge with another. And he went to Connecticut to college. So they live behind Rutgers, and her neighbors are professors at Rutgers University. They live in um, Piscataway, New Jersey. My grandson was raised up in Piscataway. In fact, when he graduated, everybody in their class were babies coming out of the nursery, and they were raised through that system, from babies up, because uh, they were brought there when they were three months old. And then after they began to walk and look around, everybody becomes a baby to them. And they used to walk to the principal's office and keep the principal company sometime. And then they were like big shots, they'd be walking around. So they graduated. So he went to Seton Hall, but he wouldn't finish. I don't know why he wouldn't finish, but they sent him to Seton Hall and he wouldn't go. So. All of those kids are college educated over there. It's, it's no bummies over there. They have, those people have money. You hear me when I say? They don't even have their house. If you don't know how to come off off the highway and come back in there, you don't know how to get back in there. You come back through a certain way, and they have people have boats parked behind their house, and the geese are back there, and they have waterfalls back there. It's gorgeous over there, but you got to have money. So they have a lot of Indians over there, but they're professors. They are not the run of the mill people. And he commutes every day from out there to New York City downtown. He's in the 40s working now. So I always told her, well, do it the best you can, but don't give them old men halfway dead and marry up and then because he'd be dead in a few years. <laughs> I said, so he's, uh, he's about nine years older than she is because when those men come from abroad to New York City to the bank, they know how much they're worth. They're a million, one and two. They know uh, how much they're worth because you got the papers in front of you. So anyway, I got the merit off, so I'm glad of that. But the man, he's he's about nine years to her, to her age. She's uh, now my daughter is 54. She'll be 55 July 26. And I have a daughter that I brought from Africa. I went to Ghana, and I met a girl in Ghana, and I brought her to America. And brought her, got her three kids here. All of them went to college and they finished. So that's how did that happen? So I have a, a daughter that I call my daughter. Who's sixty by sixty-five? I call her my daughter, but she's not my daughter. But I brought her from Kamasi, West Africa. Her mother is Nana Sewa, her grandmother. Now Nana Sewa was the woman in Africa when the white men came to to take the golden stool that they have. They were killing the black people so fast to get the golden stool because Ishanti say God gave them that golden stool and there's no record of nobody making it. Solid gold. They bring it out every five years. And they went there to take the gold stool. They said, we're going to take it from the Ashantis and say God put us in power. And they were killing the men so fast that the men got tired of fighting because they had primitive weapons. And now I say, well, I said, they won't take it while I'm alive. And they hid it. And they put her in jail, and she died in 1901. They took her son. The penalty was taking her son and sending him to the America. They don't know where they sent him, but they couldn't find him. But that's the descendant of Nana Sewa. That's my daughter, is the granddaughter of Nana. And they put it in the children's books now. They're writing about her grandmother. She was five foot tall, and they said she was too dangerous to let loose. She was locked up in jail, made out of, 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 of wood. And she stayed there. They could see her from all. They still kept the jail. They, they, uh, so you could observe her. And she died in 1901. So I'm a grandmother of African kids 
from Ghana. That's the Gold Coast. People don't they changed the name, but it was originally the Gold Coast. So I've been around the world, Egypt, Rome, Paris, went to the pyramids, went inside them, looked at them, as one damn, all of that. What makes you keep coming back to New York? New York is the best place in the world. People are dying trying to get here. And I went to Paris. Paris is a joke. Rome is a joke. Won't put enough tomato sauce in the in the, in the uh, what? Not the chili, but they they um, pizza. Uh, not pizza, but when you spaghetti. Because I asked, man, you don't put more spaghetti in that? That's just not enough. And I went to Honolulu, stayed three weeks in Honolulu. I took care of a person dying, and they paid me off for sending me three weeks to Honolulu. If I live and nothing happened, I'm going to Australia in November, December. I went to Johannesburg. I went to uh, Mandela's first house that they bombed. I went to Desmond Tutu. I went to uh, uh, Mandela's white house. And I, I went on a, a safari for the uh, first time. I enjoyed it. But we weren't, they I didn't go to places. The lions couldn't come up to the car, but they had us separated by water. And when you see the zebras, the zebras trees, you're not supposed to see them. They just like, oh, they don't want you to think you can't see big old body. How you going to miss it? So, but they ask you, don't bring in potato chips, Fritos, anything like that, because the animals know where they smell it and they love it. So they ask you, don't buy things with you, you leave to buy it, but don't bring it in because they have you in a, a big bus high, but they don't, they tell you please don't buy it because they know what it is. And they found a gold thing in Africa that won't run out to the year 2020 and all that gold goes to Germany. Africa doesn't need any help. They were um, digging platinum while I was over down from the hotel. They have diamonds. Africa is a rich country. But it's poor because they're sucking it dry. And they don't talk about it. That's why I don't send any money to Africa. Because if they get rid of the people that are here, they, everybody have enough money. They're poor, poor because they've been sucked dry. Because I asked them, I said, what are the lights over there for? They're digging diamonds. I said, what? Can you imagine that? They're digging diamonds and you ask them for help? That's a farce. But anyway, I gave you the history. So I'm glad you have it. But... Uh Real quickly, uh, uh, what do you think uh, the most uh, important change you've seen in your time in New York is? In New York? Or anywhere, really. But New York especially. Well, I love New York. I could give a free commercial with that. I love New York. New York has so many opportunities for you if you don't get hooked on the drugs. Because, see, I lived in Harlem when heroin was king. Gangsters, Nicky Bonds. I wasn't aware of what, you know, he was in his power at that time. And uh, I was busy going to work at Mount Sinai before I went to, to work for the city. I helped get the union at Mount Sinai. Uh, I was one of the people who helped get it in. And then I left and went to work for the city because Mount Sinai didn't have a union at the time. And they were getting away free, giving you $50 a week. That was your salary at that time. And I went to work for the city, which gave me the... 111 every two weeks when it rated, but it went up. So I, uh, if you can just keep out of the wrong crowd of people, you can make it. But if you fool with the people who down in the drinking and and everything else, you just can't prosper. Because when I came out of nursing school, 
we all, all the nurses work two jobs. None of us were working one job when we came out of school. That's how I was able to raise my family out of Harlem, go to the Bronx where they had bigger apartments, because I, I couldn't stand that kitchenette. And then I worked and I bought property from Channel 11 and moved my house, moved them out of the house into a, a suburban neighborhood where she could see that everybody wasn't hanging out of the window in the evening. That was my aim because I was reared by a grandmother who didn't know her ABCs. And when I went to school, I had nobody with homework to help me with it. I had to go to the neighbors. And uh, I always wanted better. And I did it. And I'm proud of myself about it. And I don't take no stuff off anybody now. There's miles over there and I work in it, take care of it, and do it in all kind of marches I'm in because I want people to prosper. I don't care what color you are, green, purple, yellow. Just make a way for those kids to get up and make a living. But some people's spirit have died. When your spirit dies, you dead. And you have to light a fire to let... I used to teach uh, kids in bedside on my own. And one little girl, I said, you got to learn this. She told me, Miss Bob, I don't have to learn that. That's too hard. I said, you don't want to learn it? She said, no. I left her alone. Years later, I came back with a neighborhood, went by the house, and I said, what are y'all celebrating? Y'all got all this barbecue? What's she said, your daughter just graduated out of school. I said, what? The same little girl that told me that she didn't want to learn it. She's the only kid out that group that was got off, uh, got off the college and did something when the family was, was primary welfare people. And I told her, you don't want nobody knowing all your business. And I see, she said, well, I'm not learning because it's too hard. That's the only one that went to college and came out. And she, I said, you weren't, you weren't listening? She said, yeah, I was listening. Because she used to come to my house to eat. She said, I'm so hungry, and I used to feed her. And I said, don't be out here asking men for money. If you want some, come and ask me. I said, because I got it. And I'm so proud of her. She's over in Jersey, Union, New Jersey. Now, she took her family to Union, New Jersey. Do you know I'm proud of that? Should be. And I should be, I'll be beating on my chest like a gorilla. <laughs> and I'm proud of it. And they're not my kids. And our kids come, they say, Miss Barbara, and some of them I don't even, I don't know, they change when they get up. You know, the kids change. And that girl, she said, I recognize your voice. And our girl, and then one of the fellows, she said, Miss Barbara, I just saw you on a, a history video. I said, what was I doing? She said, you was, you was in a class. And he said, I didn't know that you knew that much because I'm a bit buff of uh, History Channel 21 because a lot of people don't know that we are all aliens. And I don't know how long it's going to take the government to tell the people that we are aliens. We are all aliens. We come from, I come from the Serious B. I'm an alien. You are too. So... How long did the government going to keep you stupid? They can't figure it out yet? I know I'm a alien. Because when, when the Dogon people told him that we came from Sirius B, and they, he said, look, this is where we come from. They says no such thing. They found the planet. They found it. Sirius B, they found it. They didn't have the, the uh, magnifying thing to find it, but they found it. And they always said they came from the sky. And then the Wizards said we the sky people. The Indians, the Hopi, said these sky people, and they they trying to say that Jesus Christ was an alien too. You heard that, right? Yeah. Now. That's what they said, and I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. Walking on water sounds fishy to me. <laughs> okay, now what else is you there? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd want to well, pass on? Well, the only thing I can say, a lot of these fiction movies that we've seen in, in the movies are not all fiction. Because they finally got documents this year that we do have aliens in this country. One guy was in the Denver, Colorado airport, caught an elevator and went to the bottom. And he said, this taking the elevator a long time to get down. And he said he went off the elevator in the hall. And they had a, a man's bathroom was so tall, he ran out to the bathroom. He said, because nobody that tall. And he ran out. And this has been an issue. They've been talking about that. I've been to that airport, by the way. I have family out there in um, Colorado Springs. And uh, I went out there because my cousin's house was down from Kit Cop, found from um, the Carson base, the Army base down there. Because if a woman looking for a husband, she should take a trip out there. If she don't find one out there, she just lost. Because there's nothing but wall-to-wall men out there. I also went to Oakland, California, the new one over from San Francisco Bay. And they have two two of them out there, you know. Um, one is where the Black Panther thing is further out. Oakland, you've got two Oaklands out there. you got one in the, near the Ritzy part, and then you got one that's further out. So she stays up on that Ritzy part, looking over the bay, looking towards San Francisco. She's also a nurse there. And she moved from Chicago out there. So I've been around quite a bit traveling, and I love traveling. And so when after I come back from Australia, maybe Papua New Guinea, but they're eating people, so I'm a little afraid of Papua New Guinea. They, they, that's what Rockefeller lost his son, you know, in Papua New Guinea. They never found the clothes, you know. Theodore? Or, I had or one Fred. that got ate up, but he had one. He went over there one day, went to Papua New Guinea, and they, they, oh, they yeah. didn't see him anymore. But um, when I come back with that, I want to go to Cuba. Because anytime somebody stand up and tell America to kiss their behind, you got to meet them. And that's why I want to go to Cuba. So when I come back, I want to go to Cuba. Cool. And after I finish Cuba, no, I don't want to go to the Holy Land or nothing like that. I just going to make myself satisfied. But I always want to meet Castro. Well, uh, thank you, Barbara. Really appreciate you taking welcome. the time. You're welcome.